welcome to this episode of Waynesboro at Work, a podcast where we interview business leaders and entrepreneurs to learn more about the origin stories of their business, their passion for their work, and much, much more. I am so thrilled to be joined by Chris Ornelas, who is the owner of Plaza Antigua. Did I get that right, Chris? That is correct. Okay. So for people that might not know, tell us all about what kind of business you have in Waynesboro. So here at uh, Plaza Antigua, we do specialize mostly in Mexican food, um, the usual, you know, tacos and burritos and all that good stuff. But uh, most recently, we've always done live music, but most recently I've opened this awesome outdoor venue for the community to have here as well. So we're trying to use it for concerts. I want to do some charity events out there. And um, I've had people do their private parties on off nights. So um, yeah, that's what we're doing right now. All right. So I know um, sort of the obvious question right now is because of COVID, I know so many restaurants are short staffed and, you know, that's a big issue. Um, Before we jump into sort of the origin story of the business, how has COVID impacted what you've been doing there at the restaurant? Um. I guess it's been one struggle after another, I guess we'll overcome them all. But as we're overcoming one, then something else happens at the beginning, of course, with the shutdown, um, you know, every, every day was different. You know, the first probably week and a half was very scary. And then it got, we got, we got busy where people started getting a lot of takeout delivery and, you know, we struggled a little bit to keep up with demand on that, but um, we got through it. And then once we figured out how to handle that, then they were like, all right, open for 50%, you know? Mm-hmm. And then um, once they opened up hundred percent, then was the struggle with uh, labor, finding uh, staff to come in and help out. And then we got a pretty good balance. And then, you know, right now, I was pretty well staffed up until recently. And then right now also with shortages and supplies and rising cost of food has been a struggle as well at the moment with um, food prices going up. So, you know, but we're getting through. Um, I want to say Waynesboro has been great to us. They've really been showing their support. Nice, nice. Yeah, I think being in a supportive community at a time when there's a pandemic, which none of us really expected that we would ever have to deal with, um, was crucial. So in the beginning of the pandemic, when there were so many restrictions, did you pivot to other business models, like just takeout only, or how did you, how did you handle that? So luckily for us, we had, we had already started doing our own delivery And we were already set up on third-party vendors such as DoorDash and Grubhub. And um, we already had a a platform where people could order online. So we were able to easily pivot to just take out and delivery. Um, A lot of my staff actually enjoyed it because, you know, we were we're doing good. The community was great. They really took care of my staff. Um, when I say they took care of them, there were huge tips that people were um, giving my staff. Um, and so we had that down. I've been doing catering as well. So we were doing like individually packed meals for some businesses as well that were requesting 
Um, so it was a pretty easy pivot. Like I said, it was just kind of that beginning where I think nobody knew what was going to happen and it was crickets. Like, right. I remember we were sitting here, it was just myself, two guys in the kitchen and um, two of my servers and literally all the lights off trying to keep the overhead down as much as possible because we didn't know what was going to happen. I remember it was, I didn't even turn on the AC, nothing. We're here with our hoodies. <laughs> Not, you know, I was like, I'm on a budget. <laughs> right. It was only, like I said, about a week and a half that it was iffy. And then it kind of slowly started to pick up where it looked like it was going to be something very manageable. Right. Yeah. Like you said, you know, saving, saving that overhead in uncertain times is, is crucial. So that's one component of it. And then there's also the component that you are the owner of a business um, and not only what that means for your financial security, but then also you have a staff that depends on their job for their financial security. And there are the logistics of all of that, but there's also kind of an emotional component as a leader of feeling responsible, you know, for those, yeah. for those folks. So how did you handle that as a leader, you know, in terms of emotionally, in terms of caring for your staff and being in a situation that you've never been in before what was that like so it was tough because I remember mostly my kitchen staff was uh you know they're they're used to having a set income so once that happened I started telling them how we were going to divide up the days you know I had I had a lot of them come to me and be like Chris I I have a family and um you know and I was like hey you know I'm I'm doing the best we can so we can all continue to work you know we all have families I have a family all of us had families mm -hmm. and so what I did to keep some people to make a little bit of money we decided to start doing some renovations and just kind of things that needed to be done that sometimes just because we're so busy doing the day-to-day -day operations things start to fall apart so you know we took advantage power washed all the floors started just really doing a lot of things that needed to be done um, so I kept them on a payroll through there. And then um, my servers, I was rotating. So I had basically my core staff. It was three. I have a total of five core. And so basically we're rotating where one one week they'd work two days, another week they'd work three. Um, and as things picked up, I was able to actually bring my entire kitchen staff back um, because we needed all of them here because that's about how busy we were. And then um, my servers, they, 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 they were doing very well. Like I said, the community was very given, hence why through, I wanna say maybe starting May forward, I started doing a lot of charity work, um, giving back to the community because I noticed community was doing so much for us. Um, you know, we had doctors that were coming by, tipping my staff $100 and that kind of thing. So, you know, that kind of inspired me to, I, community's coming through for us let me do different things so I started doing meals for the hospitals and everybody else and you know just I want to say Wayne's Rose community was awesome to us and uh we're very grateful I was able to keep all my staff um the only ones I struggled to keep on board were more I want to say my bartenders they really got cut out but even my host I, I had to call all my hosts to come in and work as well so they can man the phones um 
and help with the takeout and delivery aspect of everything. Right, right. Yeah, and I think, you know, when you talk about how generous people were to your staff and then in turn, you know, you guys were um, giving back to the community as well. It kind of reminds me of that Mr. Rogers quote where it's like, you know, when bad things happen, like look for the helpers, you know? I mean, the pandemic in and of itself was is is terrible, but then there are these silver lining stories that you hear about. You kind of get a real sense of um, how strong the community can be under really tough circumstances. Right. So, yes, that's uh, COVID has definitely impacted the restaurant industry. But I want to take us back, sort of, to the origin story of how you became interested in starting a restaurant to begin with, because you know, we always hear sort of this number floating around that like 50% of restaurants don't make it and, and all these types of things. So I I've always had this, uh, admiration for people that go into the restaurant industry. So how did you get started? So I basically grew up in the industry, um, back in like 88, my parents moved from Mexico here. I was four years old. Um, my dad started him and my cousins and my uncle started restaurants in Charlottesville. And then, um, then we ended up moving to Richmond. My dad has restaurants in Richmond. Um, as a, I worked in a restaurant all my life. Basically, I was helping clean tables when I was 10. I started serving when I was 13. So it's kind of funny when I was managing here at like 26 years old, these older people were like, you don't know anything. You're too young. Like, no, nah, I've been serving longer than you. You have like over a decade of experience at that yeah. point. <laughs> yeah. And so um, I, I tried different things in my life. Um, you know, I went into real estate. I got into building websites and whatnot. But uh, at the end, I kind of went back to what I knew. It was kind of hard to, it's hard to work for family for me personally. So I couldn't work with my dad. So I ended up working at, uh, they opened up a Plaza Azteca close to my house. And um, my family's very involved with them as well. So I started working with them, quickly moved up the food chain. And uh, I was going to switch directions. And then Miguel Lopez, who was the main owner of, Plaza Azteca offered me to come out to Waynesboro and uh, help them open up this restaurant here. So I came out here to Waynesboro and probably about, unfortunately, Miguel passed away about three years later. And then kind of everybody just started, started selling me off their shares here so that I became the sole owner of this um, restaurant here. And gotcha. that's kind of how I got into it. Um, for me, you know, it's funny when I've had employees try different places and come back. It's very funny to me because I feel like I'm very disorganized. But then when they go to other places, they're like, Chris, you don't realize how organized you are and how everything's set up. And I'm like, eh, it's, I guess it's just kind of growing up in the industry. Certain things I feel just kind of come naturally to you. You just kind of figure out how to do them um second nature I guess that's a really big compliment I think sometimes entrepreneurs or at least ones that I've encountered can be super hard on themselves and then so getting some feedback like oh no you're actually more organized than you might think you are yeah you don't want to see my office (laughs) (laughs) yes for those of us listening on the podcast that are not watching the video Chris is actually in the restaurant in a booth so 
Um, you're like literally boots on the ground right now. So, um, uh, so we're not actually seeing his office. Maybe that's strategic. That's, yeah, that's why I wasn't in my office. <laughs> okay, got you. He'll so, stay organized for a week and then stuff happens. <laughs> right, exactly. So your parents coming from Mexico were prior to coming to the United States, were they in the food industry in Mexico or how did they get interested in it? Um so no actually my dad came one of one of my uncles moved from uh california to roanoke to start i guess the story is to start a business and around that era they were virginia was given a lot of help to small business owners and so they moved to roanoke and my uncle started el rodeo out in roanoke yes yeah. I am from Roanoke and I have frequented El Rodeo a lot. So yep. that's amazing. Okay, yeah, and so if you start talking to all these restaurants, like everything ties back to like basically all the Mexican restaurants on the East Coast tie back to El Rodeo. If you start talking to everyone. Wow. So, I had um, no idea. Yep. So my dad, I guess, went to Roanoke and then they moved to Charlottesville to open up Guadalajara there. Um, he started, I guess, in El Rodeo as a dishwasher and then they moved over to Charlottesville and um, he started working at the Guadalajara in Charlottesville is where they opened up there. Gotcha. So do you, I know you were four when you came to America, but do you remember anything about Mexico? Um, I have little snippets of it. Um, I want to say I was lucky because between about 23 and 26 years old or 22 to about 26 while I was building websites I was able to my friend and I basically spent half of the year in Mexico as long as the hotels had internet we could work so we were just traveling throughout Mexico and it it gave me a good feel Um, as a kid growing up my dad would take us on vacations and you know it was a different era I guess for restaurant tours where my dad did work long hours sometimes seven days a week um but i will say when they took vacations it was like a month two month vacation basically and we'd go to mexico for that long um so we were i guess you know when we took the vacations we we got to deal with a lot and going traveling and enjoying and seeing our family over there nice Uh, so how did you incorporate, um, like the, the recipes that you use at the restaurant now, are those recipes that were in the family Were those, you know, things you developed along the way, how did you come up with your menu? So some of the recipes are the ones, um, and like I said, a lot of the restaurants tie back to Elverdale. So sometimes right. you'll see a lot of it. A lot of restaurants have similar, similar items. Um, and then as I joined Plaza Azteca, and then this was a Plaza Azteca, um, they did an awesome job where they actually hired a actual chef that would come by and train everybody. Okay. And so then Plaza Azteca had, you know, you would see different things. I want to say Plaza Azteca did a great job of introducing new ways of doing, doing business, um, Mm -hmm. that I think a lot of restaurants ended up pretty much copying you know like I feel like they were one of the first to start doing like the fresh tableside guacamole and um, a lot of the things they were doing I think a lot of restaurants started picking up and copying and mimicking because um, they they really did a great job Um, 
as I moved here and as I kind of started taking more control, obviously I still had the name for a couple of years. Um, I carried the name. It had its, it had its pluses and it had its minuses. Um, but um, so I had to still go by their menu. And then now as Plaza Antigua, if, you know, now when I did the name change, we changed the menus. Um, some of the things are personal items that I wanted to add. Um, and then some, I also hired a uh, chef that I got to meet through just kind of traveling, going to other other restaurants and um, an associate of mine, we got together and we actually got this chef from um, Monterey, Mexico, who comes over. And so he, he helped, we told him what we wanted, you know, I, I wanted to incorporate a few different things and he kind of helped us get things to, uh, a, I guess a better level. Like um, he did a lot of soups. Um, we added a few soups to it that um, were very interesting. Um, you know, I, I grew up eating pozole, so I wanted to add that to um, the menu. Um, now, what is that exactly? So pozole is made with a, it's called corn hummy. It's a different type of corn. It's thicker. Okay. So it's, and it's a meal that's very traditional and like um, either sometimes birthday parties or when you come towards festive days, like right now as we approach Christmas, you know, it, Christmas in Mexico is way different than here. You know, it's it's more of a religious, more more family oriented than just. I feel like here it's very just consumer based. Right. You, know, you see it where Halloween hadn't passed and you already had Christmas trees out. Yes. <laughs> you know, we're over there. I think like today's Day of the Dead. Right. Uh, last, I, I want to say since like Thursday, as I see my family on Facebook, they're celebrating Day of the Dead stuff. And today's actually Day of the Dead. Wow. Um, and you'll start seeing a switch to Christmas. So and even today, they do a lot of pozole. So that's mm -hmm. that's something that um, I always loved to have. Um, so we added that. I wanted to have better, you know, not so much of uh in the past, like when you went to a restaurant and yes, for tacos al pastor, you know, at first I remember growing up, a lot of restaurants would do just steak and chorizo, but al pastor is actually, they marinate it and they cook it on a, we call it a tronco. So it's kind of like the, um, the Greeks do the, the, what do you call it? The gyros with the meat on the, yeah, the gyros. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. So similar thing, obviously we don't have one of those, but we, we make it all stacked and we do it on the, um, in the oven, make it different. Um, but they're definitely some of my favorite tacos that we've added to the, to our street taco menu now. Yes. So. Okay. So answer this burning question that I have, since you mentioned street tacos, what makes a true street taco versus just what we might conceptualize as, as just a regular taco? So we title them street tacos because for me, for myself, you know, sometimes like we do catering and someone will come to me and be like, hey, my mother-in-law is coming from Mexico and they're American. And so I want to do a taco bar and they, they want to do uh, ground beef tacos and, you know, hard shell tacos. And I, I always kind of smile, like no offense, but to, <laughs> to us Mexicans, we don't like ground beef. We right. don't like hard shell tacos. That's an American thing. Okay. So when we switch to say street tacos, you know, cause a lot of people think of food trucks and that kind of right. thing. Um, the tacos, they're a smaller tortilla. 
Um, but it's more steak. You get, you know, we'll do a steak. We do barbacoa, which we make with a brisket. We do the, the carnita, excuse me, the al pastor. We do chorizo. Um, and so it's, for us, it's a little more authentic. It's more of what we would get if we were to go to Mexico and go to a taco stand on the corner. Um, it's, they're smaller. So just seeing that smaller tortilla kind of makes you remember, you know, even for myself, when we'd go to Mexico and visit my family that we love going to the street tacos, to taco stands. And, you know, they give you these little tortillas, these little tacos, but that means instead of having three, you'd have like 10. Right. <laughs> you <know>? Yes. <laughs> so it made it feel so much better. But right. yeah, a little more, a little more authentic, I would say, than your traditional just hard shell or flour soft shell tacos. Got you. you. Well, I happen to love street tacos, so thank you for clarifying a little bit because I was always like, hmm, I wonder why these are different than. But I also prefer the soft, like I don't really like the hard taco shells so much. So yeah. I think that that's appealing for that. So if somebody had never been to your restaurant, which would be hard to believe, but if there's anybody listening that has not been yet, what would you recommend they order for their first time there? I, I have to say, I am a fan of the way we started doing the street tacos. I okay. would, I would go straight to the street tacos gotcha. first. Um, you know, you got to get a fresh guacamole, which right now we're not because of COVID. We're not doing table side. Um, we're, we're still making it fresh, but just not at table side. There is definitely definitely a different taste to that as well. Gotcha. Um, then from there, I feel like a lot of our food is great. Um, not, yes. not just biased. I just <laughs> I've, I've been eating a lot lately. <laughs> yes, yes. So um, I'm also really curious. One of the things that I've been sort of fascinated by in the restaurant industry is how you navigate your inventory. And especially now with COVID with like supply chain issues and food prices in flux, tell, tell us a little bit about how you regulate all of that. It seems like one of the harder things to be able to do in the restaurant business. Right. So I do work with um, three different distributors. Okay. So sometimes one might be out of stock, but the other might not. Um, sometimes I'll have to make runs to Sam's Club in Charlottesville if both of them don't have anything. Um, so, you know, for me, I, I hate making those runs, especially when we're short staffed, because that means I have to either take more time away. To me, my family means a lot. So I hate having to leave during my free time with my family to go to all the way to Charlottesville to Stamps Club. They're a little more business friendly than Costco, I want to say. Gotcha. Um, so to so have to go over there. But that's how I've been dealing with that. Um, as far as it, it has been tough with the cost of uh, food going up, you know, sometimes I'm like, okay, I see my sales, but wh where's the money? So mm -hmm. I want to say there's been times where we, I feel like we were taking a loss of not breaking even mm -hmm. um, just stay open. So, you know, one thing that has gone through my mind is changing prices, but I want to hold off as much as possible. Um, change price as well because as everyone else I've had to raise salaries and everything to keep up with demand and right. to entice people to come to work so then you know we're, we're it's kind of hard when your prices have to when your food cost is up your labor's up but you're still selling food at the same price right um, great example would be like shortening oil was like 17 dollars 
a year ago, where now it's about $40. Wow. Um, my avocados, you know, people, people always, some people will comment like, oh, guacamole is so expensive. But, you know, those went up from like $43 to about 78 from one week to the next. It's just wow. things are really jumping up. So it it's tough. And so right now, you know, it'll come down and then it goes back up. It's just been up and down. Um, but it's, it's, it's been a tough kind of thing that I've myself right now or just contemplating and just going through my mind of what what to do with that to make sure we can still stay in business. You know, we want to keep the prices where they're at, but it comes a point where it might not be feasible anymore. Right. Got you. Yeah. That's um, something, you know, definitely people have to be understanding of is, you know, if we as just individual consumers are, are experiencing the flux in prices of our groceries, that's also happening in the restaurant industry as well. What is your take on what is happening in terms of um, challenges with staffing? My take as far as your take as far as why that's happening. Um, it it's it's hard to say. I want to say one is there is a lot of government incentives, I guess, and with that, um. I guess wages, I've always felt like my staff, especially my servers, make great money here. Mm-hmm. Um, every time I interview people, I let them know like, hey, I'm not a big corporate chain. I try to work with small staff and that way we all make money. Right. Um, so that way I get loyal staff to stays for long periods of time. I don't like having a lot of turnover, um, but that means I have to have staff that actually shows up to work every day instead of calling out every other day. Um, but it it's hard to say. I know with COVID, we struggled to get some people to come back from, you know, from receiving all the unemployment. They were just like, nah, I'd rather stay home. Um, some people did come back to work. Some people came and asked for jobs during that time, which I respect a lot because they were like, I was just tired of being at home all day. So, um, you know, but yeah. Okay. So, um, why do you think besides the goodwill that you've seen during COVID, what do you think makes, um, Waynesboro such a great place to have your restaurant? Um, one is you can definitely see Waynesboro's growing and and changing quite a bit um, since I've been here. Um, so when you you do have this great community, for me personally, I'm close to the highway, I'm close to the hotel. So um, even though sometimes you might not see a lot of cars in the parking lot, there's a lot of people that are coming from the hotels consistently. Um, and like we're just actually right here to the window next to me i can see where they're building a new hotel over here (laughs) so obviously if there's more hotels coming there's a lot more people coming into waynesboro and and i'd say december 2nd we'll be here for 10 years now and it's definitely changed quite a bit since we first opened here right right um, so for people that might be interested in getting into the restaurant industry, what, you know, as a restaurateur, um, what is your advice for them? Um, one is it's not easy <laughs> and don't expect to make a million bucks right away. Like you, you definitely have to put a lot of time into it. Um, 
I remember when we first opened this restaurant, I was definitely in here six and a half, seven days a week. And then, you know, as I got core good staff and everything, you, you can break away. The hard part is managing your time with your family. Um, luckily for me, I was very young when I came here. And so my wife and I, we didn't start our family till, you know, five years later. Um, so by then we're a little more established, the restaurant's a little better established and we could have a little free time, but there are tough times where you do end up getting locked down as the last I've, I've worked just as much as when we first opened right now, where I've been working six and a half, seven days a week, just because of the staffing issues. Um, there are challenges. There's constantly, there's constantly something always happening. Um, there's always a constant headache where something, you know, but my, my thing is, and I tell my staff, cause you know, they, on their level, they're getting stressed of like, Oh, we got a whole bunch of tables just came in. And it's like, you know what, one step at a time, that's all you can do. And don't stress out, just take everything for what it is and just Try not to stress because that moment you start stressing and pulling your hair out, that's when it all just falls apart on you. So I usually just, I, it's funny. I've had staff that like things are going bad and POS system goes out, this and that. And, you know, I had, I, I'll always remember Kiki when she was like, you know, Chris, sometimes you got to give a beep, you know, <laughs> like, I, I do care, but there's only so much I can do. So it's one step at a time and we'll get through it. You know, if I start struggling and running around like you guys, I'm, I'm not going to accomplish anything. <laughs> Um, right. It kind of reminds me of what they remind, what they tell you, like in survival situations, like don't panic. Like that's the first rule. Right. <laughs> right. It's, you know, and you'll see them. Um, I remember I had, uh, I love David. He was my assistant manager. And when, when we'd get real busy, he was so funny. Cause you'd look at him, he'd run one way, switch directions, turn the other, <laughs> and then go back the same way, you know, cause he would just completely stress out. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I just kind of try to just stay as calm as possible and, you know, I, my, my staff constantly be like, aren't you nervous about this? Or aren't you scared? about I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's only <laughs> so much I can do. So we'll get to that when we get to it. Um, right. Starting, you know, like I said, the restaurant business is, it requires a lot of time. Um, I get to talk to a lot to uh, Linda Rowland, who owns South River, which is mm. this building where we're in now. And, um, you know, she, she mentions about how much time she put in. She's she's been a great person here in Waynesboro to have with me to kind of when times get tough, I'll be like, Linda, what would you do? Um, I have a lot of respect for her as well. Yes, you bring up a good point um, about, you know, how nice it is to have a mentor, basically somebody that you can go to 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 ask the hard questions. It's kind of been there, done that. Um so now you have um live music and you know you've kind of switched it up a bit. Was that something that you'd been planning for a while or was that a new idea that you just executed quickly? How did that come about? So I've always done live music on a small scale with my bar side patio. Um and we would do it in here. I've always wanted to do something with that land that we had out there. Hmm. I always envied when I go to the breweries, I love their outdoor spaces and it was something I always envied. Um, and then as more and more competition started coming into Waynesboro and, you know, it was, it was like one thing after another, we were still busy, but it was like, all right, it got to a point where 
it was like, I have to do something to get people back in. And then COVID hit. So then it was like, all right, this is the time to go ahead and put put an investment out, out there. And and so now, now, you know, I have this great outdoor venue space. So next 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 pandemic, I got plenty of tables outside. They're all <laughs> eight feet apart. Um, I always joke with when the health inspector came out, like, hey, eight feet apart. So next time we got plenty of space and we have plenty of outdoor seating here. Right. Wonderful. So it, it's really a place people can come and have dinner and enjoy the music and kind of, you know, a place that you can hang out for an evening, yep. it sounds like. And for that, I want to utilize it. So I like I know the warm shelter reached out and they wanted to do a charity event. So I want to do some charity. So if anybody's wanting to do anything, um, they had to cancel. Um, I had another uh, organization cancel their event because of COVID. Everybody just, you know, as, as Delta variant started coming through, they started canceling the events they wanted to host out here because we didn't know what was going to happen. Um, but one of the things I want to throw out there is I've, I've tried reaching out to even schools if they want to help raise money for like musical instruments or anything. I've, I've thrown out a lot of ideas to a couple of people and hopefully some people come out and I'll, I'll organize a few on my own as well and we'll see how they go. Okay. Well, everybody listening, if you are a nonprofit or you are trying to raise money, contact Chris and he might have a good, great venue for you. That's awesome. That's wonderful. Where do you think your passion for giving back on that level comes from? Um, I, I was doing always kind of giving back. Um, it was one thing I really liked about Waynesboro is uh, when I first moved here, it felt even smaller town. I moved from Richmond here. So, you know, from working my whole life in restaurants and coming here and it's like, you come to my bar, it's kind of like cheers, you know, like yeah. everybody, you know, everybody on a first name <laughs> basis. And right away, I kind of started like, okay, you know, it's a different vibe. And I started kind of giving back to the community and you really saw the appreciation in people. Um, I started with like the baseball. I, I think I'd, I sponsored not just a team, but the entire league. I, I give them money. And then, so you start seeing everyone come and like, thank you so much. Thank you. And it, so that kind of in turn made me feel better about myself. And I was like, all right, you know, so we started doing more and more um, throughout the years. And I, I want to say last year was when I really just, as, as we were in times of need and people came out, that's when it really inspired me even more to do way more than what I normally did and right. started just contacting people and being like, Hey, who needs help? Where, where can I help? And so they would steer me to, like I said, the warm shelter, like, Hey, the homeless shelters over here, can you feed them? And we started doing different things. Um, I, I reached out, Terry Short has been great. Mm. Um, Jeff Fife at the Y, um, all of them have always kind of, you know, I reach out to them like, Hey, who needs help this time? So I can, you know, gear, gear, whatever charity event, whatever I'm doing towards helping them out. Right. Well, that's definitely, um, admirable of you to do that. And we certainly appreciate, um, all the time you spend, uh, giving back and kind of, like you mentioned, it's sort of a mutually beneficial thing. You know, it helps the community. You feel good about yourself in times of need. The community is really 
kind of um, circled around you during the pandemic. So it's just really nice to see um, that you can have a business, but you can also have a community around all of that. Well, Chris, thank you so much for your time today. I know that uh, you um, are literally sitting in the booth for those that are not watching the actual video, but you're in the booth at the restaurant. We can kind of hear the background noise. I know that um, you guys are um, really you know, persevering during this pandemic and that's wonderful to see. So thank you so much for being a guest on Waynesboro at work. If people want to learn more about the restaurant or check out your menu, where should they look? Uh, we're in the process of building a new uh, website, which will, I believe we're going to keep the domain name plazawaynesboro.com. Um, I'm just waiting on photographers to come take pictures. So I'll key that in. If any photographers, I've reached out to a few. Um, but for right now, we do do a lot of our marketing, a lot of my what's going on on our uh, Facebook page, which is on Plaza Antigua on Facebook. So there you can for right now, keep up with whatever events we're doing, uh, music schedules as I've, we've died down with the outdoor, but we'll be doing Sundays inside just small single or duos. And then um, we have a couple of events coming in for my bar side. Um, for the cold months that we'll be doing indoors as well. Well, great. That all sounds wonderful. Everybody head on over to check out their wonderful food, the music, um, everything that they have to offer. Chris, thank you again for being a guest on the show and for everyone listening or watching. Thank you so much for joining us. We will be back with another episode of Waynesboro at work very soon. In the meantime, if you want to learn more about entrepreneurs in Waynesboro, please visit growwaynesboro.com. You can also visit waynesborobusiness.com to learn more about businesses and business leaders in our area. Thank you so much for watching and listening. Take care and be well.